I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Let's begin this morning by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, today we pray that you would write its eternal truth on all our hearts. Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and uh, just let us see a picture of, of you, of who you are and what you are doing, especially in your church. Lord, what you have done for your church and what you are still doing for your church and what your plan and goal is for your church. So, Lord, just open our eyes and, Lord, show us how we're to participate in all that you are doing today. Now, these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. I know it says 63 on top of your note sheet there, but it's actually Isaiah 62. I just recognized that this morning. I made that error when I was filling out my notes and all that stuff. So Isaiah 62. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 582 in the Pew Bible. 582 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, then we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you. That's our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so take that and use it. It will certainly bless your life. On wedding day, as I stand up in the front of the auditorium or in front of the audience with the bridegroom. The bridegroom stands before the guest zealously awaiting to see his bride step out of that back curtain or the back door there into the aisle. He anticipates, zealously anticipates seeing her in all of her glory as she comes down to wed him. Likewise, Christ is zealously awaiting to reveal the glory of his bride, that holy city, Zion, that is his church. Christ's zeal for Zion is the focus of our text today here in Isaiah chapter 62. That's the focus of our text. And the message, if you put this whole chapter in kind of a a single sentence. Here's the message of this chapter. Christ's zeal for Zion's glory calls for corresponding zeal from Christ's people until Zion's final consummation. That's a long sentence, so let me read it again. Christ's zeal for Zion's glory calls for corresponding zeal from Christ's people until Zion's final consummation. And of course, Zion is metaphor, is the metaphor, a common metaphor for, in the Old Testament for the cities of God, the holy city, which in the New Testament becomes the church. And so when we talk about Zion, our focus is not on this magical city, but it's really the church, it's the people of God collectively coming together as the Lord's bride. So I'm not the bride of Christ. You individually are not the bride of Christ. But the church of God, the church of Christ, is the bride of Christ. The church is 
Zion, that glorious city, beautiful city of God, right? Marching to Zion, the beautiful, beautiful Zion. Marching on to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Yeah, came to mind. So, so today we're going to see that. We're going to see that. We're going to see first of all Christ's zeal for His church, and then how that corresponds should correspond to our zeal for the church. And so we're going to see here in this text. As we go through the three stanzas of the text here, we're going to see three ways Christ demonstrates his zeal for Zion, for his church, and correspondingly, correspondingly how we should demonstrate zeal for Zion, zeal for Christ's church. So we're going to work through that this morning. First of all, as we begin to look at Christ's zeal for Zion, we see Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glory. Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glory. And we see that in this first stanza of Isaiah chapter 62. So look at the first stanza there, verses 1 through 5, Isaiah chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I, who is speaking here, the Lord is speaking, Yahweh is speaking, that for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married for as a young man marries a young woman so shall your sons marry you and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride so shall your God rejoice over you here we see Christ's zeal for Zion his zeal for the church he is zealous to establish Zion's glory. He is zealous to establish Zion's glory. We see it from the very beginning. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Now when he says, I, I shall not be silent, when I shall not be quiet, that means he, he's taking action here. It's just not that he, he's speaking things, but, but he is doing. These are active verbs right there. There's something that he is doing. He is out doing something to accomplish Zion's glory, to establish her glory. Now we talk about the human bridegroom, and while the human bridegroom is zealous to see his bride's glory, a glory which she has prepared with the help of some seamstress and some hair specialists, right, some beauticians, Christ is zealous to give his bride her glory. Glory which he has prepared for her and purchased for her through the blood of his cross. If you remember a few weeks ago, 
those of you who were here a few weeks ago, we, we, I did a, a message in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 61. And we talked about the great exchange. The great exchange that Christ has provided for His church. We ourselves are clothed in garments of sin and sorrow. Our sackcloth and ashes. That's how we are clothed. But Christ came to exchange our sin and sorrow. And He wore our sin and sorrow on His cross. And He bore our guilt in our place. He exchanged our sin and sorrow and gave us His garment of pure righteousness. And He clothes us, His church, in His righteousness. And so now as He moves then to to chapter uh, 62 here in Isaiah, He continues that theme and he, He shows that Yahweh is zealous for Zion to give her her salvation, to give her His righteousness. Christ is zealous to give His church her glory and her righteousness. Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glorious state. Her glorious state. Notice here in the first part of of this this, this stanza here. The second part of 1 and on through uh, verse 3 here. Notice what He says here. Until her, her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the land of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. He gives His church a a new status. He justifies her. He he gives her a righteousness so that the nations shall see your righteousness, right? It's a a righteousness that can be seen. It's not her righteousness. It's his righteousness. He changes her status. He changes her status. She was called desolate, but now she has made her righteous. He has saved her and given her his salvation. He has given her a new status. He has given her a visible righteousness. And He has given her even a new nature. Christ Jesus justifies the church by exchanging her sin for His righteousness. But He doesn't just end there. He doesn't end by clothing us in His righteousness. Oh, He wants to make us righteous. So He begins to work in us. To change our inner being, to change our will, our desires, begins to sanctify us, to make us into his image and his likeness. And so we see when Christ came and died and was raised again, when he ascended into heaven, what did he do? He sent a helper, a helper who indwells us and makes us like Jesus. He works in us to change our will and our desires to make us look more and more like Jesus. He gives us, indeed, a new nature crowned with beauty in the hands of our Lord as a diadem in the hands of Jesus Christ. So Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glorious, her glorified state, but not only that, Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glorified place. It's not just about 
changing us a little bit along the way, but, but the promise of God is to give us a place, a final place, a place of glory, a place of His glory. Notice in the second part of that stanza, for you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Now I know if, according to what kind of translation you have, if, if you have a NIV, New King James, King James, then your, your Bible says something a little bit different. You shall no more be termed Azuba, and your land shall no more be termed Shamama, and you, you shall be called Hephzibah, and your land Beulah. That's where we get the song Beulah Land, right? What, what's going on there? Why, why is ESV different from NIV, New King James, King James? Well, the NIV, King James, New King James... They transliterate those words there. And so the words that you see there, they're the English equivalent to the Hebrew word in the Hebrew text. Whereas the ESV and uh, NASB and CB, CB, CSV, Christian Standard Bible, uh, they all translate those terms. And so what we see here is the actual translation of those terms. You shall no more be termed forsaken. Because as you remember, as we're talking about Isaiah, Isaiah, he, he, he saw the coming day that Jerusalem would be brought to rubble and the people of Israel would be sent into exile. And so he foresaw a day where Jerusalem, the, the physical city, would be forsaken. It would be desolate. But he's preaching the good news. Don't worry, people of God, because the Lord God will not leave you desolate. The Lord God will not leave you forsaken. You were called forsaken, but now you will be called my delight, the delight of the Lord your God. You were desolate, but you shall be married and fruitful and plentiful. So the Lord is looking forward not just to a new state of Zion's being, but to give her a glorified place, a glorified city, the glorified city of God. And this is to be revealed, not now in this time, but in the future time, in the full and final consummation of the church. This is revealed to us in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. I'll just read it for you. Here, the Apostle John writes a, a vision that God gave him. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, that is Zion, right? Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice, a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. 
Oh, we're looking forward to the future Zion, that holy city coming down from heaven to earth. The whole people of God in one city, a glorious city, a beautiful city, no longer marred by sin, no longer more marred by death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, but the glorious, glorious city of God. We're waiting for that final consummation. Christ has promised it. He is looking forward to it, and we will see it accomplished. So Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glorified state, and Christ is zealous to establish Zion's glorified place, which means Zion is the joy of Christ and his people. It should be. It is the joy of Christ, and it should be the joy of his people. Notice the last verses of this stanza, or the last verse of this stanza. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Now what does it mean here when he says, as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. Well, what's he saying there? Well, he's kind of using this metaphor there and kind of mixing his metaphors a bit. But, but what, he, what he's getting at is, is, that, is this, that the people of God should rejoice over the bride. Although we're part of the bride, right? We're, we're all part of the bride. Individually, we're citizens of Zion. We're part of the bride of Christ. But I'm not the bride. You're not the bride. But together, we all make up the bride. But what he's saying here is that me individually and you individually, we should be zealous for Zion. We should be zealous for his church. We should rejoice over his church. You know, I hear a lot of people say this, that, you know, I'll, I'll, I really love Christ, but I don't care much for his church. Well, you can't do that. That's impossible. Jesus says, if you love me, you love my church. If you love me, you love my bride. If you don't love my bride, you, you don't really love me. God's people have to be, must be zealous for Christ's church and rejoice in Christ's church. Now, what does that mean for us? As a bride groom is zealous for his bride's glory christ is zealous for zion's glory therefore let us church let us be zealous for zion's glory let's work to sanctify her even as as christ is working in us to sanctify us and as each individually each one of us individually we become more sanctified more more uh, holy in his sight right as we pursue personal holiness then we honor and glorify zion we honor and glorify the church as we grow in holiness the church becomes more holy and so church we've got to be serious about sanctification we must pursue our own personal sanctification Make it a part of our everyday life as we look to the new year. Starting a new year tomorrow, we need to, to resolve to grow in holiness in 2024. Individually, each one of us. That's why it's so important to get in your Bible every day. That's why we, we put out these reading plans every year, year after year. 
Because we want to grow in holiness. We want, we want to be serious about our sanctification. We want to honor and glorify the church. And we do that by growing individually and investing in one another. Helping one another grow in our relationship with Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Paul says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Oh, let's be zealous for Zion's glory. Let's be zealous for the glory of the church by working to grow in holiness. Make that a part of your New Year's resolution to grow to be more like Jesus Christ in 2024. In his zeal for Zion, Christ establishes her glory. Furthermore, in his zeal for her glory, Christ appoints watchmen over Zion to instruct and intercede. Christ appoints watchmen over Zion to instruct and intercede. We see this in the next stanza, verses 6 through 9. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. And here's why. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored, but those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it shall drink it and it in the courts of my sanctuary notice that the lord has set watchmen watchmen first of all to instruct watchmen to instruct they shall never be silent sometimes y'all might wish i'd be silent at least cut it a little shorter right not go so long but they shall not be silent they shall not be silent they shall take no rest you who put the Lord in remembrance. That means these watchmen. Now, and he's using a metaphor here, again, that the Israelites would have been used to. They had watchmen on the wall. And the watchmen who were on the wall, they were looking out for trouble. They were looking out for or people who were coming to the city. And they would cry out, hey! Well, I think about Paul Revere, right? He, the British are coming! The British are coming! He was working kind of as a watchman in that era. But they would call out. They would call out and, and let them know if, if enemies were coming or if the king was coming home. They would call out and let people in the city know. And the Lord said, I have established watchmen and they will stand on the wall and they will not be silent, but they will bring the Lord to remembrance. You know, that's why it's so important. For us as a church to maintain the preaching and teaching of God's Word, to make that a vital part of everything that we do here. How are we to know the Lord? How are we to recognize when His coming is, is upon us if we fail to get into God's Word, to understand it, 
to learn it. And so we have watchmen who preach and teach God's worth faithfully week after week to bring the Lord in remembrance. But not only do watchmen instruct, but also we see here watchmen intercede. Watchmen intercede. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest. Give the Lord no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The watchmen not only are to instruct, but they are to intercede on Zion's behalf, upon the church's behalf. They are to cry out to the Lord day in, day out, until the consummation of Jerusalem. Notice that the watchmen intercede, not based upon our hopes, you know, of, well, maybe it'll come. No, but, but the watchmen intercede. Their, their intercession is, is totally based upon the promise of God. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain and your food to your enemies. All of the intercession is done. All of the prayer is done based upon what the Lord has already promised. Like, it's coming. It's coming. You can put it in the bank, right? You, you can take that to the bank. You can invest in that. The Lord is coming. The Lord will consummate Zion. He will bring her glory to its fullest completion. It will happen. But nevertheless, the Lord calls us to pray day in and day out. And in the mystery of how God works, our prayers work to bring about his promises. I don't understand that. That's above and beyond my, my ability to think. God's promised it. It will happen. Yet he calls us to continue to pray for the consummation of the church. So we must be faithful, church, to pray, to intercede, to pray for the glory of the church day in and day out. We see this taking place in the New Testament church, don't we? We see the watchmen who are there instructing and interceding for the church right there in the New Testament, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Notice what he says here. Now in these days, when the disciples were uh, increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily dis distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among yourselves seven men of good, of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We will devote ourselves to prayer and and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and uh, uh, Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Notice this. And the word of God continued to increase, 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith because the apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word the word of god continued to increase and the number of disciples continued to increase church church christ is zealous for zion and he shows his zeal for zion by establishing watchmen pastors teachers elders within the church to instruct in God's word and to intercede on the church's behalf if we're to be as zealous for the church as Christ is for the church then we must honor what is established for the church we must honor those who instruct and intercede. We must prioritize the ministry of the Word and prayer in the life of the church. And you know, these are, are already prioritized and our core values. Our core values here at First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana is this. Our first one, biblical teaching. We believe the Holy Spirit scripture is god's authoritative revelation and must be taught in such a way that the lost might come to know christ and christians might grow in their relationship with him by submitting themselves to his authority we believe in the preaching and teaching of god's word and that's a an essential part of everything we do whenever we come together as a church second the second core value is prayerful dependence we believe the the peace and power of God comes by submitting everything to Him in humble prayer and are committed to diligent prayer in private devotions, community gatherings, and in corporate worship. We prioritize prayer. Christ has set watchmen to instruct and intercede. We must prioritize the preaching and teaching of God's Word and prayerful dependence in everything that we do as you study God's word as you start that Bible reading program this year don't just read the scriptures take time to intercede for the church to pray for the church let us intercede for one another in his zeal for Zion Christ works to establish her glory and he appoints watchmen to instruct and intercede for her additionally in his zeal for Zion, Christ calls his people to prepare the way for Zion. Christ calls his people to prepare the way for Zion. We see this in the last stanza of Isaiah 62. Here's where we get all of our imperatives, all of our voice of commands. We, we, there, there's many of them here in, in this last stanza. Notice what he says here. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the people. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, 
the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Notice there, he calls his church, his people, he calls his people to prepare the way for Zion. Now remember this, and I've, I've already said this, but let me reiterate, the city, the Zion, the city is God's people collective, right? We all together make up Zion with all the other Christians throughout the world and throughout the ages. It's not just me, it's not just you, but it's all of those who are called by God into his glorious kingdom. All of those who, whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the earth. So how do we prepare the way of the Lord? By going. How do we prepare the way for Zion? By going. By going out into the world. That's what he says here. Go through, go through. It's a double imperative. It's a double command. Go through, go through. In other words, go. It calls for active engagement. He doesn't just say, hey, sit down and wait. He says, go. 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 Don't sit behind the city wall. Don't sit behind the gate. Go out. Go through the gate. Go prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way for His church for Zion. It calls for active engagement. We're not to be passive in this. God's people are not to be passive and just sit on their hands and, and wait. Oh, I, you hear that a lot, right? Man, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the Lord to come. If you're just waiting for the Lord to come, you're not doing what He's called you to do. We're not to wait. We're to go. We're to be active. Engage in the work of the ministry. Go, go, go. Prepare the way for the people of God. We are actively engaged in the ministry of the gospel and we prepare the way for God's people not only by going but by proclaiming. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is with him. We're to go out proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. He has prepared a way. He has prepared a way. He has brought salvation. He has given salvation. It's a free gift here for anyone who will receive it. We are to go and we're to proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how we're to do it. We're not to take up arms. We're not to do all those other things that, that the world does to conquer cities and conquer people. No, we do it by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, He brings this to its fullness in the church. My, Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 it's familiar to most all of us and Jesus came and said to them to his disciples all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always 
to the end of the earth. We're to go and we're to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, preparing the way for the people of God. So, if we're to fulfill this, church, we've got to be serious about evangelism. Not just corporate evangelism, not just me preaching and giving an invitation at the end of a service, but by going out and personally engaging people, intentionally engaging people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church, I ask you today, who's your one? Who's your one? We've talked about this uh, several times over and over again. We, We talk about who's your one? Who's that one person that God has put in your life that doesn't know Jesus? I'm not asking for five, I'm not asking for ten, I'm asking for one. Who's that one person that God has put in your life that doesn't know Jesus? Who's separated from the church? Who's that one person that you can pray for? That's where you start, right? You start by praying for that one person. Building that relationship, investing time in that one person, building that relationship, which then leads to a conversation, a conversation about Jesus, which leads to inviting them to come to church with you, which prayerfully leads to them coming in to Zion and becoming a a member, a citizen of God's eternal kingdom. Who is your one? Don't sit and wait. Don't be passive in your faith. Be active. Go. Proclaim the good news to all who will hear it. We are to be zealous, church. We are to be zealous for Christ's church. We are to be zealous for Christ's church, to build her up, to work on our own sanctification, our own holiness, to grow and to be, to be more like Christ, to invest in the preaching and teaching of God's Word, to, to pray for one another day in and day out, to build one another up in Christ. And by going out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, To all who will hear, Christ's zeal for Zion's glory calls for a corresponding zeal for Christ's people until Zion's final consummation on that day of the Lord when Christ returns. Does Zion need work? Does the church need work? Absolutely, she does. We're not perfect. We won't be perfect until that final consummation. But we continue to work. And we seek her sanctification. We seek her holiness by pursuing personal holiness. Prioritizing the preaching and teaching of God's word so that we can grow together in Christ Jesus. And we go out to seek her expansion Proclaiming the good news to all who will hear. Man, these, this calls for at least two commitments this next year. 
It calls for you to pursue personal holiness. Pursue personal holiness. Grow in your own relationship with Jesus. To grow to be more and more like Him. And it calls for us to pursue the lost with a passion so that we can see more people becoming citizens of Zion. What commitments will you make this year? What commitments will you make? Some of us, we we make a lot of different commitments as we look to tomorrow, the new year starting. We we think about commitments to health. We think about commitments to going to the gym and and getting more active and losing a, a few pounds here and there. We make commitments about growing our businesses and becoming uh Uh, having greater success in the year to come. We have all of these plans and all of these practices that we plan for the new year, but do you have a plan to grow in holiness? Will you commit to growing in holiness? As you make these New Year's resolutions, will you commit to resolve to grow in holiness this year? But not only pursue holiness, but also pursuing the lost. Will you do that? Be zealous for the church. Be zealous for the church. And show that by your own pursuit of holiness and your pursuit for the lost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your zeal for your church. We're here because you were zealous for your church. We're here because you pursued us and you saved us. And you put your spirit within us. Lord, we thank you for your zeal for Zion. And Lord, we pray that as your people, as your followers, we would demonstrate your zeal for your church. Help us, Lord to make that a priority in this year to come. And Lord, if there's any today who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're not a citizen of Zion. Lord, I pray today that they would turn to see Christ. They would exchange their garments of sin and shame for Christ's garments of pure holy righteousness. Oh, Lord, let them turn their eyes to see Jesus today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.